Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back after a stonking weekend, uh, rugby is back after a two-week break. I'll tell you what, we needed it. Uh, we've got lots and lots to talk about. On the, this, the first of two podcasts that are coming in your feed this week, so that's why you just need to hit subscribe right now, wherever you get your podcast, be it Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else. And uh, yeah, we'll have a Six Nations preview podcast, this one though. It's just looking at the, the, the rugby week and the weekend just gone. I'm Tim. That is JB. Hello, Tim. Well, he is JB. I am. <laughs> and uh, down... He him. He him. <laughs> <laughs> and down the line uh, is Phil. Hello. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Phil, can I just say that is a lovely Kangol hat you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Do you like the way I've, I've got it backwards as yeah, well, Yeah, back Tim? to front. I like that a lot. <laughs> what happened this week, Tim? Because you're, the, the, you're on the inside. I get you... I get, I guess you've got a BT Sport WhatsApp group or something. Well, just, you know, some lead, some follow. Uh, lol, bringing back the 90s. Why not? It was not so much the backwards hat, but it's the way he married it with the jeans. I think the whole look was great, personally. I look, I, 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 I mean, saw Lawrence today in the BT... Not me, I wasn't there, but I saw him in the BT Sports studio and I thought that's a man that's been working out again and he was excellent. I think he's been doing a lot of cycling and stuff again. He, look, he, look, he looks like a man who can wear a backwards hat and I wouldn't say a thing to unless I was on a podcast a long way away from him. Agreed. <laughs> he is, he's looking good. He's that's looking great. chiselled. Hmm. Uh, will he be wearing a, a backwards ca- uh, Kangol hat in, <laughs> in, uh, in the future, Tim? Yeah, 100%. I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a solid are you, look. Are you doing this in, so- in solidarity now? Um, sorry, it, can, can I just can I just say I need to um, explain what's going on here. This is why I need rugby. <laughs> this I'm slightly distracted at the minute. Uh, this is why I've needed rugby back so long. What happens when you don't have rugby for two weeks is I start using words and I start getting interested in things I've never been interested in before in my life. And I have said today more times than in my entire life combined, cryptocurrencies, market manipulation... Uh, trading. <laughs> I don't know what's happened, guys. I don't know so what's he, happened. He bought his his laptop with him. I thought, oh, this is a, it's a bit prepared for Tim. Uh, I mean, usually he has a video on his phone or something and connects it, whips it open. I was fully expecting him to have another sea uh, sea shanty on there or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's acting like Wolf of Wall Street. I was going to say this: the sea shanty's addiction was a lot less harmful in the long term than the potential cryptocurrency and trading addiction. Yeah, yeah, he's there in his backwards Kangol hat. Uh, he's he's like one of those cool guys in um, Joe in films, and he comes on a skateboard and he trades with his little laptop, and he always needs an internet connection. It's it's worrying times, actually. Very worrying. It is. Anyway, I've I've just I don't even know what it is, but I, I just purchased some. He, he knows exactly what it is. He's I just, lying to you. I just I don't know. I don't know what PNT is, but I've just purchased that cryptocurrency. I've just traded uh, for some of that, and it's uh, it's it's flying at the minute. It's, oh, go, it's going. It's going to the moon. <laughs> Tim, I've, I've, I've got a I've got a cryptocurrency tip for you. Now, uh, the Venezuelan government, obviously they are um, very upstanding um, 
process-driven government. Of course. They're the kind of people you trust. They they released, uh, was it the Petras? There was uh, a Petras, yes. About 18 months ago to basically bankroll themselves um, and, and continue their mass um, money printing and hyperinflation. So get on the Petras. Yeah, the Petras sounds like a great bite-in. Yeah, thanks, yeah. mate. I appreciate that. That's really kind of you to, to tip me off on that. No, everyone, yeah. like words, words like Dogecoin, for example, that's a thing, apparently, it turns out. Scrum coin. Scrum coin. Why, <laughs> yeah. don't, we, why don't we launch our own? <laughs> yeah, Scrum coin. I'm, I'm in for it. I like it. Yeah, mad times. And this is, again, this is all purely because there was no rugby. Well, I've got back, back into kettlebell swings. I've completed 2,500 this week. I'm going to do 2,500 for the next three weeks. So 10,000 in four weeks is what I'm hoping hoping to hit. Interspersed with pull-ups. Wonderful. Nice. Yeah, it's what lockdown make, makes you do. And what, um, and, and, and what are you doing, Phil? Uh, not a lot at the moment. <laughs> um, waiting for a baby to arrive. So I'm kind of on full, full lockdown. Uh, barely leaving the house at the moment, which is very depressing. Mm. But mm. So uh, it sounds kind of mostly hope... like what you normally do. <laughs> yeah, no change to normal then. Yeah. Anyone watch any rugby? Yes, I did. Yeah, we got so sorry. I, I can't take my eye off this screen. It's flying. It's absolutely flying at the minute. Anyway, um, so uh, yes, we've got um, Paul Gustard's parting shot with Quinns to talk about. We've got Premiership rugby and, and Pro Fourteen rugby to talk about. We have got uh, some championship rugby uh, potential and possible relegation ramifications. I suppose one story just to uh, to mention briefly is the fact that Aust- Rugby Australia have thrown their hat in the ring for uh, entertaining the Lions tour. Uh, what just very briefly? Let's cover this one off. What would you make to that? Well, look, there's a lot of people out there who are very worried about the Lions tour. I know that you're worried about it, Tim, actually, and rightly so, because people have got emotional attachments to the Lions and what it means and all, all the rest of it. But these are unusual times, and I certainly welcome Australia's intervention to this. I think it's in the right spirit of the rugby family, for want of a better phrase. And if they can pull it off, and if everyone can play, the players get their chance to be Lions. South Africa get their money, which is very important, and their players get the chance to play against the Lions. And I think it's a welcome intervention. Um, I think it's in the right spirit, as JB said. I just don't think it'll work logistically um, unless the two-week quarantine uh, gets thrown out the window, which it will not do, uh, not for players and and certainly not for um, travelling fans. So I just can't see it being a viable solution. Well, interestingly, I think it might be, you know, because the teams are... I mean, I'm sure that either teams can get exemptions. Although the tennis players didn't get exemptions, did they? Neither did the, Ar- no. the Argentines. Yeah, and the tennis players, Novak Djokovic was throwing his toys out of the pram from some of the headlines I read. Uh, I don't follow tennis at all, but I know he's getting some criticism for um, fighting the quarantine and it wasn't eased up for him at all. Well, if so... Novak Djokovic can't get around it. Uh, exactly. Exa- well, so I, look, I don't think the two weeks is a massive stumbling block at this point. We don't know if those two weeks will still be in place come the Lions tour, but I think that is potentially overcomable. The point about Australia is there's a lot of South African expats there who could potentially go to a lot of games, and you know, if Australia were playing South Africa in a stadium local to me, I might go and watch that. So it might not be nearly as bad as we think. It's certainly not as bad as having it in the UK because you get the touring element. It solves a lot of in, uh, lot of problems with sponsors 
uh, and not having to un- undo sponsorship deals, I think it's a good, I think it's a fairly good plan. It's probably the least worst plan. Uh, okay, fine. I don't no. I'm just going to say no. So there you go. That's 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 my summary. No. Would you just prefer to cancel it, Tim? Uh, if if it's not a tour, and it's not in South Africa, I'm. If it's not a South African tour, is what you're saying. If it's if it's not a tour and it's not in South Africa, I'm barely interested. Okay, so if it is a tour but not in South Africa, it's well, it won't be a tour. Oh, okay, so what if it is in South Africa but it's not a tour, i.e., just the three games? Better, better, but still, mm, still not, still not a Lions mm. tour. Yeah, my thought is we should cancel it. I mean, that's my also. It's a horrible thing for the players. Horrible, well, particularly for South African players. Only got once every twelve years to do this thing. Uh, providing South Africa can be paid for, i.e., there's some insurances. Sounds to me as if the best option in in this instance is to cancel it, and it doesn't give me any joy to say that. But I'm kind of with Tim, which is. It's either going ahead or it's not going ahead. No half measures. I'd rather cancel it. But Australia is the least worst alternative. Postpone. Postpone 2022. Can't, can't be done, mate. Not going to be done. It, can't be done. Of course it can be done. Near enough. No, it can't be done. It's calendars which will kill you. Calendars and sponsorships. Sponsorships in, you, in the short term. Calendars you can get round. So postpone it to 2022. Sponsorships is not an issue. Calendars can be worked out. What which calendar slot do you want? Uh, the the same one. Okay, so if you go in the same one, you have to cancel. Was it five different tours? So ten teams need to change. Fine. The... <laughs> done. done. Actually, actually, no, no, you don't because you still run those tours because you just do it with an A team, or it's not even an A team. It's a sixty percent first team. So so you don't have to change any tours. Yeah. So the South Africa obviously will have to change their tour. Uh, England can potentially tour, I guess, but with a much depleted squad. I, I just, England will be missing eight to ten players. Yeah, I'm not sure that every other country in the world is going to sign sign off on that because that's what you're going to need. It needs to be signed off by World Rugby, and I can't see that happening. That that is the best option. That's definitely the best option. Mm, it's the best theoretical option. It's not the best practical option. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best option. Um, as for let, let's just jump across then. So we've all sort of made our um, thoughts clear on that. Then on the the, the Paul Gustard parting shot and, versus Danny Care and others, it was very interesting piecing together the different players and what they had to say on this. Yeah, I mean it is clearly one of the worst appointments um, ever. The Paul Gustard one in terms of Premiership, maybe. An appointment worse than this was when Leicester Tigers appointed the Argentine coach to be their head coach for all of six months. Or Matt O'Connor Mark II was pretty bad. Yeah, Matt O'Connor Mark II is the one that, that jumps to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, the the or London even... Irish Tom, what's his face? Tom Coventry. Oh, Tom Coventry. Tom Coventry. Yeah, yeah. God. Well, I mean, tough. lovely bloke and he was a great coach, but he just came up yeah. and didn't respect the way English rugby was and just said, just said right, we're going to play super rugby and... Bye-bye. <laughs> So, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way to Gustard. I just think the culture, the the meshing of the coach and the players was wrong. The higher ups clearly misjudged the whole situation, and maybe that displayed itself today, which we can talk about later with that Quinn's performance. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do get what you're saying. I, I and we'll talk about this in relation to Bath as well. I think Bath Bristol's where we should begin actually in a, okay. in a second, but. 
in fact, let me just draw the parallel with Paul Gustard and and uh, Stuart Hooper. Well, no, actually, no, I'll just sorry. I'll finish a sentence at some point. <laughs> so on on the Quins on on the Quins thing, I think it, you do get the sense that whilst all might may not have been rosy, and there may well have been some some elements of what Paul Gustard was trying to do that clearly didn't connect with people. Um, I don't like the idea that player power might be flexing much, much more than it ever has in rugby. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe inevitable, but doesn't mean it's. Uh, yeah, great. I, I definitely feel, I definitely feel where you're coming from there. Let's just think about being a player a second. Now, I have had a coach who turns out to be the best coach I've ever had by a country mile. But one of the things I had to adjust to fairly early doors, and which I hated, and he did basically with brute force, is the sheer amount of RFU nonsense which was spouted about trusting and good people. And you've just got to swallow it. Now, I'm fairly malleable compared to international rugby players, and I could swallow it. But in his porting shot on the way to Benetton, he mentioned dynamic vision. I mean, what is that? Is that contact lenses? Is that, you know, is that seeing the dark? What is dynamic vision? It's about as bad as Stuart Hooper's glo- uh, globally important. And I just hate this nonsense. Uh, what was the other thing? He said dynamic vision and something else. I just think I can imagine well, coming I've... to work every day and having to listen to that nonsense. No matter so how I've, good his I've coaching got, is. I've, I've got the statement in front of me, which I think... I'm not going to read the full LinkedIn post, but there's one paragraph which was... I read it as a parting shot directly at Quinn's. And the statement was, I wanted to join a team where there was a clear vision, deep level of trust, and dynamic environment which was driven towards performance, which by implication means that Quinn's did not have those three things. Sorry, dynamic environment, not dynamic vision. Yeah, clear clear vision, deep level of trust, and dynamic environment, which was driven towards performance. I mean, so he's is... saying that Quinns do not have those things. But he was in charge. It was his job. He was the director of rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do appreciate that, but this is kind of my point, and we'll come on to this with Stuart Hooper, is there is a lot more levers in play here, and there are a lot more moving parts. It isn't just... And let's never let rugby get to the point where a team has a couple of bad games and people start going, sack the manager. It depends what the manager's done, Tim. Yeah, but there's so I know this, and I'm, I'm sure my brother wouldn't mind me saying so. But when when my brother went to Sail Sharks, uh-huh. he 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 would he would just say, well, there are some clubs at certain times you can have serious cliques <laughs> in in the squad, which make it almost impossible so, for who for a new for a new person coming in. Really interesting point you make, which is Sail Sharks. When you said that to me. Uh, well, for, uh, whenever it was you said it to, to, to when we had when we had a phone conversation on Friday night. Yes, right. Yes, when when you said that, uh, it immediately rang bells. Which is the Sail Sharks crew for what ten years were exactly the same as Harlequins. Guys that have won won the championship. Just think they're champions forever without ever having to back it up. And I can completely see that. I mean, the parallels between those two clubs, both the both declining uh, teams over the best part of. What five years after they won it? I don't know when last time. When, when did Quinns win it? Ten years ago now. 2012. 2012, Right. So yeah, I mean, I can I can completely see that. But I also, you know, I just can't get over people using words like. I mean, is a rugby dungeon a dynamic in, in environment? Are we performance driven here? What does it even mean? <laughs> uh, I I so 
dynamic environment it's a bit of a nonsense bullshit phrase isn't it but but driven towards performance is i don't mind that phrase and it, it's clear or it's, it's certainly clear the way that i've i've read this i mean i'm interpreting this that that is a shot that he is saying that there are individuals within that camp who were not um working their hardest to get the maximum performance out of that team of which i tend to agree with him Actually, so yeah, uh, yeah, and that that does ring a little bit true, and it's it's interesting because he's not the only person who left Quinns this week, um, and Chris Ashton didn't post any LinkedIn posts, but um, I watched an interview with him um, when he's signed for Worcester this week, which we can come on to in a little bit um, because that was a uh, some interesting pod related news on that, um, but he was saying the he was quite candid that the fit between him and Harlequins wasn't right. And he didn't go into the reasons why it wasn't right, but he said it wasn't right. Um, he's quite clear on that. And I can just see there's, there is something a little bit amiss at Harlequins um, with, per- and I, I do think it is personalities yeah. um, in there, but credit to them. Um, they put in an amazing performance this week, but it's, it's, They've got the talent there, but have they got the personalities to back that up? Because they've put in good performances every now and again over the last few years, but they very rarely back them up uh, with meaningful um, season-long performances. Yeah. Well, let's hold the thoughts on Harlequins, Wasps, because I want to talk about that, but we'll come back to it. Bristol, Bristol Bath. Well, Bristol first. How, how awesome are they? And I love the fact that Pat Lamb after the game went, yeah, we did all right for the first half I agree with him I agree with him I do not think that this is the game that Bristol fans should hang the hat on and say yeah we are going to be champions I think they are definitely a championship worthy team I think they'll be challenging for it and I think they could win it but this is not the performance I felt there were a lot of mistakes in it there was a lot of good stuff there was a lot of mistakes to me the story is Bath and how abysmal Bath are so Bath are this game from a bath perspective is i mean where do you start i I just can't i can't even begin to start with bath that they are they're incredible unbelievable but let's let's go just before we start on bath um let's let's talk a little bit because i don't think uh your um 30 seconds there jb has really done justice to the bristol performance no because yes there were there were a few mistakes. And it was yes, outrageously good. I think they yeah, could beat Bath yes, by 100 yes, points. Yes, they switched off a little bit in the second half, but who can blame them because yeah. the game was the game was done and dusted after 32. The game was done and dusted after 10 minutes. Too right. The game was they got a bonus point after 32 minutes. They could focus on next week, not get any injuries. Bristol, at their best in this game, were totally, totally unplayable. They were sensational. And it's not... They're, they're not a team where there is one threat where you're worried about Radranda or you're worried about Piatau or you're worried about Nathan Hughes or you're worried it, or you're worried about Morahan or you're worried about um, Andy Uran who is incredible or Byrne the hooker who was incredible. Like, the whole team was just threats everywhere, left, right, and centre. They were they were they were superb. They were very good. I imagine Pat Lamb is looking at this game. And is actually disappointed they didn't score, score more. I, I bet he is looking at the things like that first pa- that first try by by Monaghan. Yeah, fine, good try. 
why is he not running on to that pace? You know, why are they so... Uh, oh, mate, come you know, what are you doing? No, what are you saying? Are, are you telling me that Pat Lamb is, isn't going to want to improve further? No, but jeez, no, what are you saying? What I'm saying is when they scored, you're looking at Bath at like sixes and sevens, uh, you know... Bath were yeah. so bad. Luke Morahan, that you only stood... no, no, you're you're missing my point, Tim. My point is that Bristol won this at a canter, and that Pat Lamb is absolutely right. Like they they could have beaten Bath by a hundred points. It, it could have been, it it could have been like a level eight mismatch. That's 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 how out of shape Bath are. Yeah. I, I, I actually I don't disagree with that point, but I think I, again I think you're focusing too much on the negatives, and I, I, I think that um, Pat Lamb will look at things. There, it was not a perfect performance, but it was a very very good performance. But, yeah. I, I would be keen to to get both of your take actually on um, the young man, the young uh, the com- second coming, uh, Johan Lloyd. I've been raving about him for weeks, mate. Where have you been? Oh no! I'm, so uh, I'm a big fan of Johan Lloyd. I'd not seen him play ten before, other than like ten minutes at the end of a game. I think go back, go back to the podcast. I think two weeks ago I said Wales is ten. They haven't got a, they haven't got a concern about their future at ten. He is the future at ten. Now he's been capped, right? He has been capped. Yeah, right. he has. Yeah, I, on the wing. This is going to wind me up no end now. He's been capped, which means that Wales think that they own his labour for the rest for, for, for the rest of the time now, and that he has to play in Newport. Um, I don't know how he fits into the Welsh pay structure because he's got one cap and he's a teenager or maybe he's, maybe he's 20 now. So presumably he'd be paid a lot less than, say, George North is, although he's definitely more important to Wales' future than George North. I think if I'm Johan Lloyd, I test the system and say, no, I'm going I'm to stay in Bristol uh, because this is an incredible team that I'm in. If he plays, I mean, well, he played bloody well on Friday, but if he carries on improving week on week on week, He's probably the closest thing in the league to Marcus Smith, which is an accolade in of itself. Test that Welsh system. See if you can either get them to part with even more money for your services rather than some stupid banded pay where they deem your market value to be to, to, to be to be X, Y, Z. And why leave? You're going to be challenging for European Cups, whereas in the Welsh system, what would he be challenging for? You know, three games a week, sorry, three games a year in the Pro 14 at full strength, coming, you know, being knocked out of the group stages, and if you run out with Wales, not worth it. Uh, I, I tend to agree on the um, staying at a path, <laughs> staying in the Premiership. Um, I, I just, I want to see more of him at ten, because um, we've we've seen we've seen him play fifteen on the wing, we've seen him come off the bench, um, and we've seen him be a really dangerous steppy runner, great turn of pace, really good feet. Um, and working the outside channels beautifully in the past. In this game, he didn't have a, a, a great deal in front of it. He didn't have a great deal of defence in front of him at times. The the Bath backline defence was all over the place, but he nicely picked gaps in it um, with world-class talent outside him. So he, he played well, but I, I really want to see more Jeez, of him at times. I'm just trying to contain my anger now. I'm just having a think about this. You know, he's a 19-year-old <laughs> kid, right? And he's looking up and he's seeing, what, Ben Spencer, best nine in England, allegedly. Well, you know, his England chances have evaporated before his eyes. There's no way he deserves to go to England playing in playing in the bath team. There's 60-cap Priestland, who he looked like he didn't even do up his laces. And there's Matavesi, who had a game to, well, to, maybe a career game to forget. 
And this kid's 19. I mean, it's not a hard equation, is it? You run at the kid that's 19. Particularly Joel, Ma- um, Josh, Joel? Is it Josh or Joel? Which one is it? Josh. Josh, Josh. Ma- Josh Matavesi. He's a big old boy. Just put, put him under pressure continually. The fact they got no, not so much as a hand on him is a disgrace. It's an utter <laughs> disgrace. Yeah, and, the, well, and this is a little bit where, just coming on to Stuart Hooper, who is now under all kinds of pressure and he's where a lot of the focus is. I, and, and just, just as with Paul Gustav and Quinn's, uh, there there may well be a case to answer there in the case of Stuart Hooper, just as with Paul Gustard. However, 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 the, you cannot blame the majority of what happened on Friday night for Bath, just as with some of those Quinn's performances this season. Um, you cannot blame the coach when players do the most basic things wrong. And I feel sorry for coaches on those occasions because some of those Bath players did not do justice to that shirt that they're wearing. And you don't blame Stuart Hooper for that. That is, per- that is personal pride. Well, no, but that's just, let- you- that's just letting players off the hook. These are professional players who, as you say, in the case of uh, some of those defensive efforts, didn't, well, effort was the word. Like, if it was, no a, te- if it was a technical element or a, or a skit or, a, or an organisational thing, you might go, oh, dear, who's taking care of that? It- but I'm sorry, that's, and you can even go, who's the Bath defence coach? What are they doing? Actually, some of that was just no effort. Hang on a bit. Uh, by the way, there is, you are, you are 100% correct. There is no effort. And it does show that you can't just buy good players and expect them to be good. And just by, you know, the fact that you pay them, you expect them to run out there and be ace. Because everyone pay, uh, uh, pays their players. That's not not a unique feature. I'm just going to float this theory. I've just thought of it this second about Hooper and Gustard combined. Do you think it's that they're insincere? Like, when you listen to them, you think you're listening to a man reading a textbook. And it's, that is a hard, that's a hard thing to follow. When you listen to Lamb or Baxter or, or Diamond or Sanderson or... Any of these guys, you know, even if they're wrong, they're sincere. Even if it's not from a textbook, it's sincere. If someone tells me it's not globally important. I think, who are you trying to kid? Like, yeah, I, I, I actually I agree with that point. And uh, the globally important one is the one that stands out for Hooper. And the, the Gustard one is when someone asked him about Sinclair when Sinclair was, there was rumours that Sinclair <laughs> was going over to, to uh, Bristol and he I said, asked him. Well, yeah. Was it was was it, it you was on me. this? I remember, it was it a was great me, question. Yeah. Where where he said, "Well, let me stop you there." Uh, first and foremost, he's a he's a wonderful, incredible human being. And you're like, <laughs> what? The, that that's just irrelevant. Like, and the the insincerity that that gives you, it's like it's like a I don't know a lack of um, yeah in, uh, sincerity or a lack of um, there, want, just... wanting to engage with the question or wanting to engage with the problem that's in front of you yeah i you know you want these guys i want everyone to be successful you know i don't have any animus towards either of them but i just think that they are kind of robotic this is how you say this is how you behave like a director of rugby and i think the players need even the top ones need a little bit more from their dor um just just to connect a bit i know that sounds like a horribly that sounds like something which Stuart hooper would say we just need to connect but you do (laughs) you need something about you just just on the counter of that, and I'm just thinking about it now, is Eddie Jones at times will give a totally insincere answer to a question. He'll give he'll just be doing it for the theatre. Yeah. He'll give a disingenuous answer. But he's there's all I, I always get more from, from Eddie Jones. He's he's playing 
um, four-dimensional chess, whereas these guys are just reading from a management textbook. With Eddie Jones, it's always, there's a bigger thing at play. But isn't the Eddie Jones sincerity the fact that he's a game player? Yeah, yes. Like, you know, yeah. there is a, it's like Donald Trump. Everyone says, that, oh, we like him because he's because he's sincere. You know, he's a he's a liar. He goes, yeah, but that's part of him. That's why he's sincere. <laughs> you know, we, we like genuine people. We think the people with the you know with the unmovable hair. Well, he has unmovable hair and the and the white teeth. They're, they're the liars. Like something something about sincerity, and I don't know quite what it is. The, the, I, I do like the sincerity of always being a liar. You're you're true to yourself <laughs> yeah. because you always lie. Yeah. So you know, like Steve, like Steve, Steve Diamond is, is definitely not the um, uh, like a textbook reading coach, but you know when you're around him, he means what he says, and you're getting to know an individual, whether he hates you or likes you or whatnot. You just know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm I'm not saying I did. I, in fact, I agree. I agree pretty much with what you said. I, I'm just saying. There is some balance here, and let's not get to a stage, as with football, where the easy answer is, oh, blame the manager, get them out, change. Because we've seen this with so many clubs. The coach changes, nothing changes. Mm. And actually, Quinns is a good example of that. John Kingston was a great yeah. bloke. Yeah. And th- there was something a little bit rotten. There was something not quite right. There was something, and uh, again, it took... Uh, it, th- there was some good coaches that came and went at sale sharks before they started to do better. Um, and you could put that down to cliques and a really pretty, not a very good culture, which actually got, and it was when that got cleaned house that things got better. Um, yeah. So yeah. don't overlook that. And we talked about bath a bunch of times and, you know, it, it, it looked like it was getting better under Todd Blackadder and then tailed off. It looked like it was getting better under Stuart Hooper and then tailed off. I heard stuff about Todd Blackadder, which just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Like things, like he didn't know who Ben Youngs is. Like, you know, just real, like he knows. But he, he watched every game that Bath have played for the there last three no seasons on DVD. Man... <laughs> Don't you remember? That's what they said when he came over. There's no way that man watched any rugby. Just no, he didn't know who he was playing against. Like for the last season he was there, Stuart Hooper was in charge. I feel sorry for Stuart Hooper. I do. Uh, and like he's been put in this position because by all accounts he's an outstanding man. Um, and he's taken this role as DOR, so he's put his neck on the line because he could have had a really cushy job at Bath as something else and no one would ever question him. And like, oh, what, what does Hoops do? Oh, he picks up a couple of hundred grand a year or, you know, whatever it is. And is a generic director or something. He's he's put his hand up for DOR, and I think it's going to cost him his career at Bath, unless he bumps the board. He will not leave the organisation. Is my prediction. Whatever happens, even if he's Ooh. not director of rugby, he will not leave. Yeah, they love him. I mean, they love him so much. They love Charlie Yules because Charlie Yules's main selling point is that he reminds them of Stuart Hooper. <laughs> That's why he's there. It's just like the next Stuart Hooper. That's why he exists at, exists in in Bath. So I agree with you, Tim. Just just on Blackadder, because Blackadder, I mean, everyone raved about him when he came over, but he, he never won anything with Crusaders as a coach. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had seven years with the most the peak of uh, Dan Carter and Richie McCaw's career. They, they won umpteen uh, titles before him. I think they've won three out of four after him, but there was this barren seven-year period. When what happened he was there? there? What happened those seven years? God knows. God, he had the best talent in the world 
for seven years and couldn't win Super Rugby with them. And, what did and this, th- this was that was that was during the decline of South Africa as well. Like that, that was during the it was in the run up to the 2015 South African years. That was not when South Africa Rugby was the powerhouse that it is now, or the powerhouse that it was in say 2007, 2009. It was the barren South African and, years. And what did Bath think? Like, we've got some of the best talent in the world too. I wonder if we could get someone to win nothing for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What a, what, what, what a great fit. Now, that's it. he's an interesting one because everybody says he is one of the nicest individuals in rugby. Top bloke. He, he came across brilliantly. He came across so... But he came across like a, like a slightly too nice teacher. Yeah. Just rather not- than... Yeah, rather than uh, someone who was going to win things, yeah. but, which let, is let, incredible because he he captained the All Blacks, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Re- remarkable. Let's just think of uh, you know of some some fine people and, and the pain that this has caused. Because I, I lived in I lived in Bath and worked in Bristol, Ooh. and when this game happened back in the day, it was huge. I went to a few uh, games at the Rec when I was, well, in fact, when I was at uni with. Some, I remember uh, Joe Alab I was at uh, uni with and he played in, in the Bath-Bristol derby for Bristol and they won at the wreck in a really horrible like December nice. day and it was oh it was the atmosphere was like there was such angst between the teams so firstly it was great but also I was like this there were times in the second half where I was like I, want, I just want a crowd because it would have been absolutely bouncing Yeah, but we've got loads of listeners like Ed Scott <clears throat> Ed Scott who, went, who came with us to to Romania, Romania and to yeah. Madrid, yeah. and and <laughs> he said, Poor Ed. he said, please, um, you'll have to tell me when in the podcast you're talking about Bath because I'm not sure I can take it. And even he watched <laughs> he watched the game with his son, who went to bed in tears. <laughs> <laughs> so chin up, Ed. Stay neutral. Stay neutral. It's so much easier. <laughs> but this would hurt big time. And if there, if there ever ever was one result that could shake up the snow globe for uh, Tarquin and Bruce Craig to uh, make some changes at Bath. It would be a 48-3 absolute humiliation by their arch rivals. What if Tarquin's the one on the, on the block? Because Stuart Hooper's going to stay. He needs a job. Tarquin can go. Hooper, go. Hooper gets bumped up. Maybe. I have no Maybe. idea. I have yeah. no idea. But something's got to change there. It's not... That or they just get rid of all the players. Like, what, it, there's, there, there's no relegation. <laughs> what are we paying you for? Uh, genuinely, what... I, I'll tell you the one which got me. Our second rows went off. You know, we didn't have any power. Okay, that is fine. Your second rows did go off. And, you know, that does account for... That affects your line-out a lot. It account, well, and restarts. It accounts for something, doesn't it? I mean, whether it's 40-plus 40, 40 points, I no, don't know. No, of course. And also, they didn't really have an adequate replacement. Who, who came off Who came off the bench? Oh, Toby Faletau. Toby Faletau. Yeah. Right. So don't give me the no power when Toby Falatel's coming off your bench. No, they're not. They're not line-out experts, though. You can take Falatel that point. Falatel can get can get up in the line. Well, I mean, I mean, th- those are reasonable points, but they're they're no excuse for an absolutely abject performance. Not... And I actually thought that the thrust of Stuart Hooper's point, if you sort of read between the lines a little bit, was the players need to have a look have a look in the mirror. I, I think, and I don't think he was deflecting. I think it's a fair comment. I, I, and if I was one of those Bath players, I would be looking at myself and going, "There's 150 years of history in that badge, yeah. and you, and whatever's going on off the pitch, whoever your coach is, there are certain standards you don't drop to if you're a professional athlete and pulling on a jersey like I that." Just, 
Obviously, yeah, you're dis. And if you, if you drop to a certain level, you're disrespecting all the people that have worn the jersey before. There are some teams out there, and I just wonder if the players do not realise how lucky they are to play for them. I think for I mean, Bath must be just in terms of brands and badges and history. It's got to be one of the top. It's definitely in the top ten of the world, if not in top five of the world. I mean, you'd want on your CV had a season at Bath. Same for Tigers, had a season at Tigers. Now, Tigers are in a different situation because they've got kids coming through and, you know, they're in a different situation. Bath have got a fully functioning international star-studded lineup, and I do not think they are grateful uh, or even aware of what the badge means. Well, I mean, there are some parallels to draw. Bath have a lot of... Uh established internationals who are at least if you were drawing their career as a bell curve mm-hmm. they're over the peak and yeah. just as Quinns had a lot of England internationals bell curve over the peak just as that mm-hmm. sale team from back in about 2010 bell curve players big over the peak big contracts over the peak big, yeah. big contracts May, maybe there's something to be said for that profile of a squad and that's why but like who? I'm just trying to think. Like who's in? I mean, yeah, they're all guys on the tipping point because you know I said Falatel was a great player. Well, he hasn't been great for Bath, has he? But then you've got the younger lads coming through. Like Yules is going to be. The, I don't think he is. But you know, Yules is going to be an up and comer. Abano's an up and comer. Spencer, Zach Mercer, Zach Mercer, peacetime num- number eight, as he was described to uh, us on our WhatsApp group, which I think is a great <laughs> way to describe him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they've got they've got talent like Cam Redpath and Tom McGonville are very talented, very young guys. Yeah, and there should be a moratorium on any Bath player playing international rugby until they sort this out, and therefore they won't be international rugby players, and they might want to play better. Mm. Mm. They've got to solve something, and I, I this to me looked like a team who have basically given up. And, I, and Tim, I, I really get your point. I hate the fact that um, player power can effectively decide whether a, a coach loses or keeps his job. But I think I think that's the situation that Bath are in. Do you know? Uh, and I, I think Hoops will go. Um, but I, I um, it wouldn't surprise me if he stepped down or stepped up from director of rugby to another position within the organisation. Do you know the story of Carson Wentz? Uh, no, quarterback so. went as a first round pick. Yeah, so Carson Wentz is Denver a, Broncos. No, uh, Philly. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So Carson Wentz is a quarterback in the NFL, and he's on a enormous contract. In fact, he's on so much money that if they got rid of him, I think you know it would be a cap hit of thirty two million quid. It's quid dollars. Um, so effectively, they're stuck with this quarterback, and they've invested so much of their future in into the quarterback. They're in a, a bit of a conundrum as to what they're going to do. And one of the thoughts was, well, he might be able to play in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, he likes the coaches or, or whatnot. So they, you know, from what I understand, they were exploring a trade. They've got so much tied up in this guy that the heads of the organisation decided it was better to fire all of the coaches that they have at the Eagles, <laughs> including Doug Peterson, who won them a Super Bowl, first one in God, well, ever, I, th- I think, uh, and go and hire the Colts offensive coordinator instead of sending him to the Colts. They bought the Colts to him. And I wonder. Is, I wonder if that's the situation that you're trying to avoid, Tim. Well, is is that similar to the Danny Cipriani, um, George Skivington? You're not um, far wrong there, mate. Don, Don Walduck situation, and look how that went. Yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> 
Uh, he's making noises about coming back to play, isn't he? Is he making noises or are agents making noises? Uh, there's a rumour about him going to Newcastle. New- That's yes. Yeah. I heard the Newcastle rumour. It just does not feel like a good fit. No, it it's, it's, like... especially if the rumoured no relegation is a thing. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it's a t- yeah, it's, it's a terrible fit if there's no relegation. It, it's a bad fit anyway because Newcastle have built this team around no star players. Um, they are... They've got a little bit of stardust, but only guys like um, Joel Hodgson, Radwan, who they they brought in, um, uh, and and Mark Wilson, and and Mark Wilson, who, who's there, who's Newcastle through and through. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was actually, um, I did watch the first half of Newcastle London Irish today, and the um, opposing. Um, styles around compiling a pack were incredibly stark. I mean, that, that Newcastle pack is very good, very well drilled, very hard working, but pretty much they're all nobodies. They, they, they've been put together and have been drilled to be a very good pack. That uh, London Irish pack is sixth eighths of uh, a world rugby pack of the year from about 2014. <laughs> yeah. There are hundreds of Australian caps in there. There's hundreds of international caps in there. They are there are big names left, right, and centre. A, a, a genuine world rugby team of the year in 2014, 2015 would have included Augustine Creevy, Sakopi Kepu, Steve Maffey, Rob Simmons, Sean O'Brien. You're like, not it's... wrong at all. You're not wrong but, at all. And it, but it felt like. In that game this um, this weekend, and I, I won't go into this game in huge detail, but no, no, do. Um, but that um, Newcastle pack will be good for sixteen, eighteen games this season. They they will put in a really good show. That London Irish pack will put in a really good show for six to eight games this season. But this happened to be one of them. They put in a really good performance and, and won this game and, and prevented uh, Newcastle from getting hey, a bonus point. If you listened at the end of the last podcast I, and, and you followed my predictions and put any dollar on it, you could thank me when I went next in a pub. I called the Irish win. Did you? Yeah. Irish, 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 <laughs> well, that's just because I also called uh, several Irish defeats um, wrongly. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'll take the one. Yeah, yeah good call because I, I thought... I, I thought exactly as I've just explained it. I thought the yeah. the kind of no name hard working pack would grind out a win against the the big name but showboaty pack. But no, do, that that London Irish pack performed, um, and it was, it was really impressive to see. They got a penalty in the first twenty minutes, um, a kickable penalty could have gone for three. They backed themselves, kicked to the corner, and scored it. Creevy from a driving ball went over, and you thought that it's going to be their day when they did that. Um, fair play Irish fair play indeed fair play indeed played two, played 7-1-2 is that correct? yeah well with, with this in mind let's just talk about the the relegation thing a lot oh, more right. said in the rugby paper today and a lot more has been written about it still no confirmation jokes still nothing official from any official source Premiership Rugby haven't said anything no club has said anything outright so this is still something that hasn't been announced um then the last we heard was that one team's going to be allowed back up, and uh, Ealing, if it wasn't, if, if Saracens got the automatic th- spot, it would be thirteen, and Ealing could purchase their spot in the Premiership for twenty million pounds. Right. So here are my thoughts on just that small section of what's going on. 
This is really worrying. I've seen this before, and anyone who follows... This is my second American football anecdote of the evening. Anyone ever followed the USFL back in the day? Not that I did, because I would have been... I might not have even been born, or if I was, I was about one or two. What happened is they created, created a football league to compete with the NFL, and they found themselves in a situation where they couldn't afford really to be in existence. So what they did is they looked around... Uh, to other rich men and said look you can join our league if you pay us to buy the franchise and this is exactly what premier rugby are doing they're selling more of themselves in order to to well basically be sustainable cash in the premiership now is going to be so hard to come by because cbc have got to take their third come what may so we've got the same tv deal as we did you know for the last three or four years but with CBC taking a third of it, which nobody is talking about, nobody has said a thing about any of this, uh, except for Owen, except for uh, Owen Slot. In in fairness, none of the other journalists are talking about the reduction of cash coming into Premiership. So they're going to have to rely on the owners. The owners have done something rather sensible, which said, "Okay, we will therefore sell an extra space or some more shares to you, Ealing, if you want to come up at twenty million, because this will keep us sustainable for a little while longer." But then you project that outwards. Is a 14-team league more valuable than a 12-team league? Are you just putting more stress on your assets, which are your players? So, just playing devil's advocate here, uh, and I'll see what my opinion is in in a a minute, the Premiership Rugby Clubs uh, would argue that if you you were to come up into a 14-team ring-fence league, you are benefiting immediately from all of the effort and money... Uh that the 13 of us have spent over the last 20 years, let's say. Mm. So that I think that's where they're putting their valuation and saying, you, you don't just get it for free, you, you, you can you can buy in. So it's, it's like um, paying to sit uh, paying to sit and play a game of cards in a casino. There's, there's an entry fee and you, you've got to pay it. So I understand that perspective. The flip side of this is, and this ties in with the championship and what is not happening with the championship, is... <laughs> it's just the fact that the RFU and therefore Premiership Rugby, uh, by extension, have absolutely hammered the championship. They have just crushed it and squeezed out any hope of another Bristol or uh, Exeter or you know one of these teams coming. Ealing? Or, or Ealing, they've just—they are strangling it. It's like a boa constrictor, death by a thousand cuts. Any other analogies you want to use? What the RFU are not doing with the championship is outrageous right oh, now. That yeah. they are fun, they are funding. And, and hey, listen, I'm a supporter of women's rugby, but they are that they are. I oh, know it's it's not a zero sum game. It shouldn't be one or the other. You should just, just spread it out. But yeah, that they are prior, the RFU is prioritising where its money is, and it is just casting. The, the championship aside, um, yeah, and just to add to that, if I'm the if I'm Ealing or the championship team who's looking to get squeezed squeezed out, I'd be saying, look, the reason your bloody league is so valuable is not because you're business geniuses, although some of you might be, some of the owners certainly might certainly might be. It's because unlike all these other leagues, there is a genuine threat that at the end of the year, one of your teams will come down to us. And we will let your shareholders play in our league. You've just completed the circle that I yeah. was I, I was actually forgot uh, and got yeah. off track. But you've just com- you've just completely completed the circle. My point was, yeah, the Premiership have a, a duty to recognise rather than just going. You pay twenty million to come up here is to go. Th- any 
value we have is as a result of a whole pyramid of merit-based rugby which has gone on for many, many years. Now, I have no no problem if you want to take the Premiership and make it into a ring-fence league, providing you show me what the mechanisms are to keep it competitive throughout, well, just throughout. So we don't just have a top six battling out. Luckily, with, with, I've solved well, that. I've yeah. solved that, but we'll talk about it again. Well, we'll let we'll let Phil come in, but I just say it's a it's a little bit like um, I can deal with a I can deal with the concept of a lockdown, but I want to know what the criteria are for coming out of it, and that's the bit that's frustrating me at the moment. I'm finding it really hard at the minute dealing with this lockdown because there is no measure, there is no target measure criteria out and so therefore it's just really confusing it's exactly the same thing you need it just needs to be all spelt out and the fact that there is no official word coming from any direction just rumor or conjecture uh just makes me look like a potential stitch up is on i think there is in fact i know i don't know i know there is but i've heard basically it you know relegation is done Mm. and and um the championship will not be happening uh certainly not in its normal format uh, anytime soon, yeah. Well, which is which is a big problem. So <laughs> six of the cl- yeah. So six of the clubs have said we couldn't afford to be- because yes. the RFU funding's been dropped. Yeah. And clubs like, for example, these clubs that would be expected to pay one hundred twenty thousand pounds for COVID testing <laughs> at the same time okay. when the RFU said, "No, nah, we haven't got any money for you." Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I'm a big believer that maybe professional rugby should not exist outside of the, of, of the premiership i'm not entirely sure that spending what little money you have on basically bussing players up and down the country to play nearly professional rugby sometimes against amateurs sometimes against semi pros sometimes against you know fully professional outfits is a particularly good use of rfu money or basically of their owners cash i, I know it's a fantasy everyone wants to get up into the premiership but in the history of rugby, there's been one club that's really done it in Exeter and maybe Ealing in the, in the future. I'm just not sure it is a good way to go forward. But the Premiership... Have... France, France have got 44 professional clubs. Uh, look, it, that's fine. But I don't think that Pro de, um, Pro de Deux and the Championship look in, look, in, look in any way the same. No, no, no. Well, um... The, the quality of championship rugby well no not in terms of fans and not in terms of funding but I just went through in my head earlier the players that have come through the championship and you just clo- close that uh, tap at your peril is all I'm saying uh, and I think yeah. there are different ways I would I would definitely at, the, at an absolute minimum I would have more than 12 teams or 13 or 14 teams as my professional model in, in rugby um so let me just put a few facts your way. Uh, participation in rugby of men is declining at an alarming rate. It is already. So yeah, you know, be careful. But you know, be careful what you wish for if you want to go turning taps off from clubs that are 150 years of history and part being part of a community. Uh, but not just that, the number of players, <laughs> really good players that have come through the championship, um, either who've in the case of 200 cap this weekend for Leicester and British 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 and Irish Lion Tom Young's uh, learned to play hooker for a couple of seasons at Nottingham, uh, two players who you would you well you just would Harry Williams be in the England squad right now? Would Richard Barrington have won and Petrus Duplessis have won European titles? Would 
Tom, Tom Francis. Thomas Francis. With Thomas yeah, Francis. Wales caps and, exactly. and got Josh, European titles. Josh Bassett is a Bedford boy, is he not? Yeah. Josh, yeah. there are so Mo- many great players. Uh, Mark Atkinson had a year at Bedford. Billy Twelve Trees. Billy Twelve Trees, yeah. Do they all play for Bedford? Yeah. What goes on there? And Will Chudley and Michael Le Bourgeois. Yeah, look, I, I know what they contribute. My thought is, on balance, I'd rather that re- that championship be regionalised rather than nationalised. Uh, I think that makes a lot more sense to me. But that's a whole other very broad-ranging discussion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not one that's easy to solve. But the 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 likely thing is, based on all the noises that are coming out, that there will be ring fencing. Hey, there's a new director of rugby in town. There is. Um, Stephen Jones has taken up the position of director of rugby for Maidenhead Ladies, which is <laughs> which is amazing, actually. Yeah, F- fair play. Fair yeah, play Stephen Jones. <laughs> I read, I, genuinely. Yeah, I, I, I read this and I thought Maidenhead women. Sorry, what did I say? Ladies. Sorry, women. Which is which is what it said in the article as well, and I and uh, I. I know it's a t- tiny little thing. That's that's not me. No, that's not me being uh, woke. I just uh, you know I just think that's. Late, late. I, I, I hate. I really dislike that Wimbledon does that when they you've got these elite athletes like amazing top of their craft and you go advantage Miss Williams. Do you know what? I'd be so annoyed, right, if I was at the top of my craft. Whether it, imagine if I was a US, USC fighter and anyone called me anything other than a gentleman. I, mean, I wouldn't want to be in the men's division. I'd be want, want to be in the gentlemen's. No, division. I'd be if Wimbledon said uh, advantage Mister Djokovic. Then, then it's like, yeah, cool. That, that's that's fair enough. Why? What do they say for for, for Djokovic? Just Djokovic? That they just say advantage Djokovic. Or do they? Yeah. Huh. So it just feels slightly patronising. Well, it depends who made that. It, it depends who who came up with that rule. But yeah, I, I I can take it or leave it. Mm. Uh, on Stephen Jones, however, fair play to him. I think it's yeah. awesome. Actually, I, do you know? What? I read this. I thought this is so awesome because so many people want to make a name for themselves, uh, talking about rugby. Or you know, doing a blog or a podcast or whatnot, and have never, and probably haven't played the game since they were fi- since they were fifteen. And it takes nothing. It takes nothing to just go down your club, and you don't need to play. You don't need to be some sort of hard man. You just need to go down the club and volunteer your time and run the mini and ju- juniors, or phone around on a Friday to get the to, to get the second team uh, players ready, or whatever the small job that you can do for your club, you should do it. So awesome for Stephen Jones to do that and best of luck to to Maidenhead ladies I'll be following their progress keenly Mm, fair play agreed Um, one thing I just I just want to pin something and we don't have to have a discussion about it now but I just I think it might be something which is something we talk about soon so I just want to put it on the radar Uh just float it out there because since you were talking about the whole the the, the women's game has uh, has, uh, caused a lot of conversation and um, tie that in with also concussion, and there was the transgender issue. There's been a, quite a few issues, one or two, around rugby lately, which which have had some quite meaty conversations. And fair play to World Rugby, in in almost all cases, they've stepped up to the plate and had a very mature conversation about all of these things. Um, <sighs> Hong Kong is going to have to be the next one. Next what conversation? Uh, regarding the well, sevens, should be there. It's a venue. It's a venue for the sevens. Uh, it clearly shouldn't be there. The, the, there's there there are UK government minister. The, there are democratic countries that are allies of of the UK, which are calling um, what China are up to genocide and various other things. Um, uh, now, basically, my challenge is to all the people 
and it's mainly on Twitter. All the people who really kick off about all of the topics like transgenderism and 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 take nuanced situations and call other people all these horrible names who don't subscribe to your one worldview. What are you going to do about this? Because they're all completely silent on these sorts of topics. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they can do. Uh, in my in my mind, well, yeah, look, they are they're talking to each other mostly, and once you blank it out, you realise they don't have any real say, which is why they can get away with saying so much nonsense. It just can't happen there, can it? That's that's the the long and the short of it. Uh, World Rugby cannot hold that tournament in Hong Kong. And if they do, I'll be disappointed. And, and the Seven uh, Series is sponsored by HSBC. Well, that's a British company. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah. I, I understand it. But their official... Li- well, yeah, anyway, th- th- there's there's going to be awkward conversations ahead, is all I'm saying. And so I'm pinning that one to the to the board and we'll talk, that, talk about that when it rears its head. But just to get you thinking about it, because it's uh, it's going to be an well, issue. I mean, Dubai Sevens isn't exactly. I mean, it's not a paragon no. of virtue, Dubai, is it? <laughs> but, oh you know, God. that's well, sort of. But like, you know, people say things, don't they? Like, oh, I hope that that guy never plays rugby again because I don't know he might have a criminal record or someone's done something awful in the past. Or we don't want that kind of like Israel Folau, for instance. Oh, we never want to see him in the game ever again. And I kind of get it in the professional game. And I kind of get it about you know locations that we go that, that, that we go to. But I also think like. As an amateur player, I want to play in as many weird places as I, as I possibly can, whether that be Poland, Russia. I mean, if someone said to me, look, you can have a game in Sierra Leone, it might be a bit dicey, but you know, we can potentially <laughs> get you out there. I go, yeah, okay. And I think the same thing about uh, you know people that we don't want them in our game. So, so what? I, in fact, if anything, that's where I'd, I'd like them most, actually, is to get hold of them on a rugby pitch. That's, that's exactly well, what I'd like yeah, to do. I, I, I see what you're saying. I guess all it is is consistency is all I'm talking about. So if you're going to say Israel Falau should never step foot on a sporting field again, you also have to say rugby should not have the sevens in Dubai where they throw, uh, where, look, where, where say, it's illegal to be gay and they throw people off the roofs of buildings. I would say consistently don't listen to people that say stuff like that. That, that that's that that's where I come down uh, on the Dubai. I mean, the whole point of Dubai is, you know, the whole thing's. I don't know what it is. It feels so weirdly unethical. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, no, but it, it it does. Like you fly out there, um, you know, the locals keep servants who are not far off slaves. Really, uh, mm-hmm. you're going out for drink and debauchery. Uh, you know, there's horrible social rules around there. It's just a weird, weird place, and you know. Fine. You know, it's just it's one of those things. Hong 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 Kong is complete is completely completely different in my mind. That is an active place where people are fighting um well, fighting some awful situations and I don't think that rugby should uh, should go there until it's resolved satisfactorily, and I don't think it will be. Just like uh until they maybe clear up some of their human rights record and various things, I don't I, I I'm not in for a rugby world cup in Russia as well. You start to stray into situations, don't you, where world rugby is not in a position necessarily to make these kind of these kind of political judgments. It's what was the case we had recently. But then it does. This is my point. It does, doesn't it? Well, does it? I mean, we need to be very careful to separate out some uh, voices of people who claim to speak for the game compared to the people who actually have the responsibility for putting on the tournaments. And they're two very different constituencies. Um, I don't want... And also, I'm fairly relaxed with where World Rugby decide to hold their tournaments, including Russia, as it happens. I do think the the Hong Kong thing is 
beyond. I don't know where I draw the line. I don't have criteria for it. I just feel it is beyond. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. I just wanted to just, I didn't want to have a in-depth. It was more just, I've noticed stuff bubbling up about this mm. and I think it could be something mm. that's going to talk about. So I just wanted to flag up that that is happening. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just go back to Dubai. It's just made me think, actually. Dubai is not exactly a hotbed of rugby, is it? It's like it's not like it's not army. It's not an army of Dubai children that really can't wait to be props or can't wait to pull on the Dubai shirt. You literally just go there to hold to hold an event and to get hammered and to get hammered. Yeah, that that's literally it. To get hammered. Yeah. You, how easy is it to get hammered? Very incredibly. That's why everyone goes. There. I've I've never been remotely interested in going. Well, like, it's like, like rugby players always go when they've got a week off, don't they? That's where the because it's always that's, warm. That's the, that's the default place where players go. I've never been, but I imagine it's like getting drunk in the Trafford Centre for all week. That's kind of what I imagine. <laughs> I I've only been to I've been to the Middle East, uh, but I've only been to Dubai uh, for flight changes. And I had the fortune slash misfortune of spending about 12 hours in uh, the Emirates business class lounge in Dubai and got hammered in there on my own. And it was exactly like getting hammered at the Trafford Centre, actually. Oh, was it? Like, I, I, almost identical. Maybe that's, yes. what, we should, may, may, maybe that's what, what we should do when is it like, up. But is it like speakeasies? Is it like, oh, you can get hammered in here, but you can't get oh, hammered Do you think it allowed to be drunk on the street? The answer is I don't know. So, so in, in Dubai, I think it's you can only really... So it's certain places have um, licences. The the rugby ground that hosts the Sevens does have a licence, and most of the places are expensive hotels. So oh, okay. you end up being um, going for brunches. Is the yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, that sounds all right. Yes, brunches are big there. They're, they are big. I asked a friend of mine who is a... He was a commodities trader. He was out in Singapore. He did a bit of time in Dubai. And I, I can't remember what we were speaking about. I'm like, mate, what is the most you've ever spent on a night out? And I've got a figure in my head, which is, it's, <coughs> it's a lot. If I said it right right now, people go, oh, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot. But it wouldn't blow your mind. It wouldn't be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Because oh, about 15 grand. It's like 15 grand on one night. Because, yeah, yeah, about 15 <laughs> wow. grand. I'm like, Wow! Oh my god, that's not bad. I, I think Singapore. I, I might have mentioned this before, but apparently one of the things I can't remember whether it was United or City. I think it was United, but one of the things they used to do was whoever brought <laughs> when they went out, whoever brought the oh, least. I love this story. Whoever brought the least amount of cash had yeah. to pay the bill. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst game I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm sweating just thinking about it. cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com um there's been some transfers this week is there who there have um I'm just dropping my phone. Um, one that would JB. I think you broke it as a world first. Obviously, we mentioned it slightly earlier, but Ashton to Worcester. Well, at least at least he got the credit for it in the Worcester Live. Thank you, Tim. Yes. Thank you. It sounds like almost as if uh, you're a bit jealous of my uh, of, of my uh, appearance in Worcester Live. There, no, not at all, JB. Was it Worcester Guardian? What, what was it? No, well, the, the Worcester Global, the global, the global Worcesterman. It was globally important in Worcester. <laughs> Definitely. The Worcester Defender. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, what are all the newspapers? So Exeter have the Chronicle. Do they? I think it's Northampton Chronicle, actually. Northampton. 
Uh, Exeter Express and Echo, actually, I remember now cause when, from when I was down there. Bath have the the Observer, the Bath, the Bath Recorder, the might Record. Be, might be the rack. Might be the no. The rack. The rack. The rack. The record at the rack. Oh, nice. The the, the Guardian. So the Bath Guardian. Brist- Bristol Evening Post. Yeah. The Bath Sentinel. Bath, I think it's Bath Chronicle. Actually, uh, now I think about yeah, it. Yeah, it is. I think it is a Bath <clears throat> I think that the Bristol... Is not, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't but, matter. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Just from a little snippet of snippet of news, it turned out to be true. Yeah, so, you, you moved the market, JB. Moving the market. Just, just like Tim with his uh, laptop here. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what? In the, in this, within this podcast, I have bought and sold whatever PNT cryptocurrency is and... Good for you. Yeah, the next round's on me. Yeah, so... Uh, it was I really, <laughs> really needed rugby back. Yeah. So, <laughs> Ashton to Worcester, I think he'll he'll thrive there. I really do. They've got more line breaks than anyone else in the I, league. You see, you see, okay, yes, I agree. He's a good player. His support line's brilliant. He still has that knack and that, that instinct. I, and, I, and I like the bloke. Every time I've chatted to him or met him, I, I really like the guy. So I've got nothing against it. But if there is no relegation... And with Worcester having some really good young wingers, yeah, Tom, I, um, I really like Nick David. Not just in my fancy rugby draft team where he's killing it this season, um, <laughs> but then they've got Tom Howe and Perry Humphreys, and they've got some good young guys. It's an interesting signing, isn't no, it? Actually, maybe one, maybe one guy like Chris Ashton with those young guys might be ideal. Yeah, I, and, yeah. You know, when he was at Sale, uh, until the end, he was fitting in quite well, I think. And certainly the reports I was getting back about him was he is in superb shape. He was probably one of the fastest in the squad. And I didn't even think he was that fast. Mostly he, he's, Chris Ashton, it's all, he's always been rapid and he's always referred to by other rugby players as being rapid. Well, the reason I thought that was because when you watch him, he's always just jogging in tries because he gets himself in such good positions. So you don't necessarily think of him as fast, but maybe he's fast to get to that position in the first place and then he just he, trots in. Ashton is seriously quick, yeah. seriously, seriously quick. Yeah, if you if you think back, it's it's nine or ten years, but his um, length of the pitch try oh, yeah. against, Australia, against Australia, where he burn, he'd already been running for fifty or sixty meters, and then burn Drew Mitchell. Um, he is quick. Yeah, he's an interesting character. Uh, how he settles at Worcester, I do not know. It must be weird for him because he's gone from the ultimate successful team in Saracens. Toulon are no mugs, and you expect to win things or be successful there. And then Sale were building something special, particularly when they when they signed him. That was that was the sales pitch. Harlequins might be a little bit of a step back, and now, well, not to be disrespectful to Worcester, they find themselves in a different situation again. That said, if he can apply himself, I think he will get a, a, a hatful of tries. Maybe not hat-tricks of, of tries, but a hatful. He he wants to get the record. I think, he? I think he said he's four tries away from the Premiership uh, try scoring record. I can't imagine uh, he doesn't. Yeah, he will get it. The the one the player who should have got it and should have um, achieved an unassailable record, so it should have set an unprecedented record, would have been Christian Wade, who, who actually it? still still has time to do so. What was Christian Wade on? Uh. I don't know, but he's not far off. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up now. It's very unlike you, Phil, not to have this information <laughs> either ingrained in your head or ready to go at the touch of a button. Go all-time players. That's... 
uh, trays. Well, hold on, so, hold on. Let's let's try. Let's let me and JB try and guess the I top have again. No idea. So what we I... got we got Mark Cueto top. Tom Van Dell. No, it? Tom Van Dell. Sorry, top. No, Van Dell. Do, do you know how many? Oh, yeah. tra- do you know how many trays he's on? I got no In, idea. Uh, Seventy-two. It Bit could... more. It could... Eighty-one. It's ninety-two for Van Dell. Ninety-two. Uh, and, and then Cueto's on about eighty-six, eighty-seven. Cueto's on. Cueto's ninety. Ninety. So, so two below, then and then Steve Ashton had... is. Oh, then Ashton. He's, Ashton's four below on and 88. S- and then Steve Hanley. Uh, well, Steve Hanley is fifth. There's someone, one player above Steve Hanley. Ben who, Cohen. Who we've, we've already mentioned. Oh, Christian Wade. Christian Wade. Is he? So Christian Wade, uh, he's been out of the game for two seasons. He's still only 29 and he's on 82. So had he have played those two seasons, he would have already been the top try scorer and he would get another five seasons after that. Problem. So he he could have set something like 140 or 150 tries with it with a fair win. But 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 on the flip side he uh he get he doesn't get to wear cool pads and stuff. He doesn't. Now Christian Way is interesting yeah. because you're right, he could come back. whether he does or not, I do not know. But he has had, from what I can tell, almost no wear and tear on him. He's been doing nothing but working out. Yes he'll be a different athlete to the one that left. But he's not had all the uh, impacts of, of rugby because that's not how they train for American football. <clears throat> so if he does come back, I imagine his longevity is going to still be pretty handy. British and Irish yeah. Lion, Christian Wade. One of my favourite things was him in the in his suit in the crowd for one of the Lions games hair. with the comb in his hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <didn't enjoy> <laughs> He's a dude. So um, looking down the list, there's a few other players who are still playing uh, on the list of this is about the top 20 Um seems unlikely that any others apart from Ash- Ashton will get the top spot. But I'll, I'll give you some notable others. Matt Banahan is on 71. Banners? No, he's he's due to retire at the end of the year. So Yeah, unless... so he's not going to he's not going to score 22 or more tries by the end of the season. I'll tell you what Gloucester could yeah. do without though, couldn't they? They could do. Uh, there's another Gloucester player here. May? Simbad? M- May. Yeah, Sim- Simbad is in there on 63. May is on 66. Mm. <clears throat> I think I'm right in saying Johnny May has been the top try scorer every year he was at <clears> Leicester <throat> and that's with missing his England games I think I'm right in saying that maybe it's completely wrong surely not with Christian Wade playing at the same time no 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 for Leicester for, for Leicester for Le- I, mean, it, I mean I might oh, be okay. top try scorer for Leicester <clears throat> over the last three years to be fair yeah you probably only need three or four tries yeah um, other players Danny Kerr is on there really mm. oh he's, a, he's just he's ahead of Mike Brown by a couple isn't he by a few yeah, he's Sneaky. four ahead of Mike Brown. And he is the first non-outside back to appear on the list. And one below him is the top forward, top try scoring forward on the list. Wow. And that I is? That is, okay, top try scoring forward, Neil Back. Correct, well 59. Done. He used to, I remember when Leicester in the 90s just had this unbelievable pack. And he just used to be, <clears> on, the back, he used to be on the back of every driving mall, just dotting it down. And yeah, like, also... kind, of, kind of like Sam Simmons now. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. He might also although, be the only although... forward for England to score a drop goal. Was he? I'm sure he scored a drop so, goal. It's a good fact, it. that. So, I'm sure he did one against Italy. I'm sure he's picked uh, up from the, from the ruck. I'm just going to um, preface my um, Sam Simmons um, armchair ride statement by also saying I don't think Neil Back ever scored any 50-yard tries uh, off the back of a line-out where they went round a full-back, which Sam Simmons also has in his locker. Correct. 
Correct. Uh, do, do you know what the most? Uh, I just said a fact. Then it's not not remotely rugby related, but I was just I I was uh, playing a little <clears throat> I was playing a little board game, and just this um, unbelievable fact that I found out. Um, Queen Elizabeth II, Elizabeth, Elizabeth um, our Queen, yeah. our monarch. She, when her father died. King George. Was it King George? King George. Yeah. King George the fifth? fourth, fifth, fifth, fifth. Yeah. Anyway, because we had, I only know this because we had King George the fifth battleships, and I've been reading about them. Ah. <laughs> when her father George died, uh, in an in a in an unusual move, they waited over t- just over twenty four hours before she was installed as the new monarch. Uh-huh. The reason why is amazing. Ooh. Why? What do you think? Have you, any thoughts? I have no idea. I literally none. So so this was 1950s, something like that. Like five, six, seven years after the World War II finished. This is why you've tuned into the podcast for stuff like this, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It is is not rugby related. I'll just make that clear. It wasn't that she was... (laughs) Oh, she's not doing an SSC. uh... (laughs) She had a Bronco to do. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't couldn't contact her. So it wasn't that. (laughs) Um, I think in what... Was it, was it something that was happening in the world at the time? Was she on a plane? No. Or in, a boat? No, incorrect. No, Yacht? No, no. The reason was that they had to check to make sure the Queen Mother wasn't pregnant because there was the thought uh... she might have been pregnant. And had she been pregnant when George died, had it been a boy, that a he, boy. The, he <laughs> would have been king. Wow. Oh, wow. Even though the king wasn't born? Yes, who writes these rules? Laws. But the king had been conceived at that point. <gasps> had the king been con- had had a, a male baby been conceived by that point, then it would have been uh, would have been the heir to the throne. Christ, wow! Do you know what? I, there's not enough money in the world that would make me want to be royal. Maybe there is. <laughs> Maybe there is. Probably isn't. You not fancy partying with partying with Prince Andrew in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I, I learnt that this weekend. I thought it was a really cool fact. That is a cool fact. You're not wrong. And, and, the, way, and the way that they did uh, pregnancy tests in those days is, it involved like injecting frogs with urine. I'm not making any of this up, by the way. <laughs> okay, are you being on these Discord servers with your with your funny crypto friends? <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I'm not making um, it up. So, um, so we we got to uh, frogs being injected with urine uh, from d- starting to discuss some of this week's rugby transfers. Oh yes. So having having done Ashton, let me talk about a couple of others. So there's uh, the two tigers ones. Which and I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about other animals that got injected with urine in a minute when Phil's done yes. with this. Go on, Phil. Perfect. Um, so Lavanini going at the end of the season from tigers. Good. Ta- Taufua going immediately. Albeit there um, seems to be some confusion over whether he's actually going because Leon have announced him uh, and Steve Borthwick seems to think it's not gone through yet. They're waiting for a South African to sign in in his place. And that sounds like a joke given uh, Leicester's back row, but it's actually not a joke. I think think that's what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, Tapu's on to Leon. I I thought you mentioned the other one as well. Marcus Smith to Leon. Marcus Smith to Leon? Marcus Smith to Leon. And I think that's a great move for him because go get paid. And what is this? Is this a rumor? Are you starting? Are you trying to move the market again, JB? 
I've I've heard Marcus Smith to Leon. That, 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 that's and this is the same person that said several weeks ago Chris Ashton to Worcester. Yeah. Marcus Smith to Leon. Yeah, so I've heard Marcus Smith to Leon, and I think that's a good move because he's not no. going to get. Well, look how flyhalves are treated in and around the England squad, which is you're not getting in because this is Ford and Farrell's show. So they're going to be the flyhalf duo all the way to the World Cup. Marcus Smith, his, the way he played today was sublime. Um, he is clearly the future, and the sooner they hand over some England game time to him, the better. But in the meantime, in the same way that I say, I say about Yoan Lloyd, go, test the system, go make as much money as you can. Well, he's making coin. He's he's the got, mo- he was the most expensive teenager in the UK in rugby, wasn't he? Not enough. Nowhere near he, enough for as good as he is. Go to he France. would be. He could get a million pound contract in France. I would suggest, or not not far off that level. Go to mm. France, Marcus, and then go for, re- go for three. Se- I, 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 I think that's a sensible option. I think that's a, it'd be a good option. Go three seasons, experience something different, make a load of money, and then come back what, uh, an even better player than you were. One of the world's great culinary cities. Uh, they are Ooh, spending yeah. money hand over fist. Uh, they're getting gradually better each year in Europe. Look, he's not going to win a Heineken Cup at um, Harlequins. Eddie's not going to change his mind about Ford and Farrell. That you know, the die's been cast there. Go and play in France, and I think that rumor has got has got something to it. Uh, any, any more <laughs> any more transfer rumors? Because otherwise, we'll, we we might as well just slide straight into uh, well, Queens. Well, well, I just <clears> want to <throat> comment on Lavanini. I think that's a good a good person to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, ex- expensive individual, not done anything at and all. And they've got really. more than their quota of Argentinians now. <clears throat> yes. Um, t- two other bits. Well, one rumor, one actual factual bit of news. Uh, Roger Roger Tuivasa Shek, uh, who is a um, well New Z- New Zealand born, uh, New Zealand playing rugby league fullback who plays. I think he's uh, Melbourne Storm. Yes, um, I've heard this. Don't know who he is though. He he's so. I didn't really. I don't really watch much NRL. Um, I've watched a few highlights of him. Amazing feet, um, amazing pace, amazing strength. Really talented. Um, it feels a bit like so. He is rumored to be signing for a uh, New Zealand-based Super Rugby franchise to have a shot at the 2023 World Cup, which feels a bit like um, drummer Benji Marshall. Yes, I was back. about to say it feels like Benji Marshall. Go, this is going back. Um, six, seven years when Benji Marshall signed for the Blues, I want to say. Yep. Uh, incredibly talented. Um, amazing feet, amazing hands, great distribution skills. It, the whole package and never really did anything new because it's so hard to adapt in a couple of years. Also see Sam Burgess. Um, so Cowhead. yeah, it feel, fe- feels a little bit speculative uh, from both sides. But one that is not speculative, well, it is speculative for the performance, but has actually been confirmed, is Leone Nakarawa to my beloved Ulster. Big. Ah, I knew this is going somewhere. Big. Talking about, uh, talk about over the hill, not performing expensive players. <laughs> You've really <laughs> got the, ki- you know, the king of the castle there, mate. You must be delighted. What are they going to do, play him number eight, do you reckon? <clears throat> if everyone it's, it's was a, fit? It's a great question. Um, probably. Yeah, I think they would because yeah. losing losing Kurt Sia is huge. Um, Leona Nakarawa is an unbelievable talent. Like the, the only second row I can legitimately think of, um, certainly still playing, uh, ignoring Radiki Samo, um, who could win a gold medal 
in sevens, who could play at that level in sevens. Um, huge, huge individual, eight, 18 stone, six foot six, enormous hands, sublime offloading skills, incredible strength. However, he's 33 and he got sacked from Racing Metro for, I've not got it in front of me at the moment, the, the phrase that they used, but um, he was, uh, he didn't come back from after Fiji um, nas- national duty um, and also was not performing, was overweight, was unavailable. And so it just feels a little bit of a gamble. If you can get the best out of him, he could have another two, three, four years of being one of the best players in the world. He's a if bit. He's a big fan of uh, large northern UK industrial city metropolitan cities. Yes, and exactly. he's also a big fan of God, which would help with him going <laughs> to Ulster. Yeah, uh, Ulster's main attraction actually is its uh, relationship with God. I, I would guess there's there's no lack of God based attractions. Should you be that way inclined. 100%. Room Pienaar so loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's a perfect fit. Yeah, but, um, could well be. So it's, it's, it, it, He's not like for like with Kurt C, I'd say that, though. Yeah, so I assumed he went there because he quite liked watching the ships been built in Glasgow and now would like to go and watch uh, the activities mm. of, of, of Bombardier in, yeah. in, uh, in Belfast. But, you know, maybe it's God. I don't know. So, yeah, Titanic Museum, that is where you'll find Leone. Day one, if you want, if you're in Belfast and want to see your new recruit, yeah, nice, love nice. it, proud, so, oh, proud. You, you're happy with that, or are you, Phil? Um, so I'm excited to are. see him play. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I would have, I probably would have gone for someone who's more like for like, uh, albeit there are very few players who are like for like with uh, Kurt Seer. Yeah, well, there's uh, loads. There's loads at Sale. There's loads. There's, yeah. there's loads at Tigers. <laughs> at least you've got someone who, like Marcel Kutsia, is just one of the best at what he does. You have got someone who's one of the best at at, at what he does, and I think Dan McFarland's yeah. the kind of coach that could build a build a team tactically around that strength. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So yeah, excited. Yeah. Good to see him play. That is good. I don't know whether JB was just trying to move the market on Marcus Smith or not, or whether there was uh, <laughs> any genuine substance there. We'll find out. But, I mean, firstly, I don't know why. It, it, if you didn't have the commentary on and you were just watching the game at a glimpse, you'd just, you just assume, oh, right, Wasps are playing in some disgusting white kit today. Yeah. What's, what's going on there? And Quinns are in black. Because it was a complete <laughs> reversal, the way those two teams play. Do you know Everything what? we've been saying about Wasps, you would say about Quinns today, and oh, vice versa. Yes. They were yeah. the mirror image of each other, except for one was substantially better than the other one. Um, and the parallels are scary, aren't they? You know, Wasps got rid of a director of rugby who, um, you know, wasn't working there for whatever reason. Good bloke, wasn't working. Harlequins did, did the same thing. Uh, so wasps have a veteran nine who works works with a young ten who cre- creates magic. They have a uh, a seven who is an absolute pest around pest around the breakdown. They're aggressive in defence. They're quick in attack. All the things which Harlequins were today, exactly like Wasps, but better. Yeah. I, on on this performance, miles better as well. And and Wasps, uh, Harlequins forced so many mistakes from Wasps, both at, at the breakdown, which is normally what Wasps are doing. Uh, Will Evans was brilliant, yeah, but also in the in their defence and their defence um, when Wasps had set piece ball and they were trying to get their back line firing. Wasp, um, 
Quinns were right in their face disrupting it. And the, their their box kicking game and the, the press from the kicking game, they were really putting Wasps under pressure, which is exactly what Wasps normally do to other teams. Yeah, what, it, Wasps are remarkable in that the way they get attention off their players is by putting pressure on you. If you're having to defend Wasps and all the good things that they do, you sort of forget that maybe they might be inadequate in some other ways. What Harlequins managed to do is have enough ball and deprive them of enough ball that they can start to pick pick at those holes. And uh, I think Austin Healy mentioned it numerous times today. Sopwanger did not look comfortable at fullback. The back three in general did not look comfortable, mm. for, comfortable for most of the game. And you can afford to do that if you are... Disru- and we'll talk about the other, the other bit in, in a second. But if you have enough ball and enough good playmakers around you, Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith should really have the advantage over a lot of other halfback pairings just based on their talents and, and their experience. And they did today, and it really it really showed. And it, I like, from a Quinn's perspective, having Andre Esterhazen in there because... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's enormous, he's direct, he's got a good skill set, but if things aren't quite going well or they need another option, he's a brilliant other option to get, get you some go forward. He was quality. And Aaron Morris did the same thing. Aaron Morris is a big, strong boy coming off the wing. Yep. They used him intelligently a few times, which then led to more space for well, Lewis Liner, who was superb. Yeah, he was really good. Very, very quick off the mark. The thing which yeah. I also thought really struggled uh, made Wasp struggle the pressure they managed to assert on Umaga now he has been pretty much untouched his entire career and I worry that the blueprint is now there to upset him which is get on him early doors and he looked hesitant to me Well, I think it's the same Marcus Smith looks so good for the reason that Umaga looked so dodgy today is that, that up front Quinn's just Mullered wasps absolutely mullered them. Yeah, the defense yeah. in particular. And I, I, I think that's right because the the service that Danny Care was giving, the service that Danny Care and his pack were giving to Marcus Smith was superb. The service that Will Porter and his pack, and it's, it's not, I'm not blaming Will Porter. It's a, it was a team effort, but the service that Umaga was getting was uh, not good, no, second well, rate for for much of that game. And you saw it, the, the back line, there's a lot of talent in that Wasp back line, even though it's not not um, their first choice right across the board. And they were just stop-start, stop-start, passes behind each other, failing to um, time their runs because the quality yeah. of the ball was so poor. And if you, and, and if you think about it now, in, in uh, Dean Ryan's one of the people that's been mentioned for, no, the, for, the, no. for, the, for the vacant role at um, Quinn's. Uh, by, by Dean Ryan logic... Um, <laughs> Quinn, uh, Quinn's hammered Wasps. Wasps hammered Bath. So if Quinn's played Bath next weekend, Quinn's will win a hundred nil. Yeah, that is that is <laughs> true actually. Crikey. Um, I'm trying to think of anything other, anything else about Wasps. Yeah, just on Will Porter, uh, I did feel sorry for him because his boards were not doing particularly well. I thought Wilson Croft had a good game though when when he came on. I thought he made a material difference to how Wasps started to play. But pick it, you know, pick, uh, clutching at straws there, really. Yeah, very much yeah. so. I, I completely forgot. I meant to say in, in relation to Bristol because you just reminded me with Paolo Adogru. But uh, uh, we were t- we were talking about players uh, like Redpath and Adogru last week. 
having a potential little kind of metaphorical tug of wars between different nations wanting them. Piers O'Connor is like Ireland and England. One of them needs to strike soon, otherwise yeah. they're going to lose him. Are they, now, are they doing effectively a Dutch auction for Piers, Piers, o, uh, Piers O'Connor? <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. Show the least interest possible. <laughs> yeah. He is magnificent. I love watching him play. And, he, yeah. and, you, and when we mentioned the Championship Rugby earlier, Ealing Trailfinders, Piers he, O'Connor. Right, right. Just, just hold, everyone hold their thoughts, right? I don't know how big Piers O'Connor is. He doesn't strike me as a massive man. About six foot, I'd I guess. Phil, Phil will have the information up like that. I'd guess six foot one and 15 stone. So about, about 96 kg That's would be uh, my guess. Yeah, okay. So 96 kg? I think he's quite no. a big, I think he's quite a unit. I'd say 89, 89 Eight, kg. Okay. 96, he's not heavy enough. I reckon he might, yeah. might be 95 kg. So... I've got uh, two weights from two totally different profiles. I'm going to profiles. say 86 so, kilograms. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got uh, two heights and two weights that are both different from two separate sources. So I'm going to go to his Bristol Bears profile. Okay. My guess was, what did I say? Six foot one, 96 kg. Yeah. And you're saying? I'm going to say 5'11 and he's 80, eight, somewhere like eight, 87. Which is about so, four, 14 stone. So I would have gone for about Tim, what Tim was saying, 6'1 and 95, 96 kg. Uh, he's listed as, so Bristol Bears own, so which is which is, um, which is is the most accurate it's going to be. So he is 6'1 and 102 kg. Wow, he's much bigger than I thought. He's fifth, what? So that's he, like he, nearly 16 stone. Yeah, he's, he's a big, he's, strong boy. Right, well, I take it all back then. So anyway, here is my point. What is your obsession with Cam Redpath, uh, who is, by the way, a good player? But does Cam Redpath and Piers O'Connor not remind you of the same kind of player, except for one's got a really famous dad and has been, you know, um, lauded since a young age, and the other one's come from Ealing? They do. They play across the back line. They have great skills. Piers O'Connor's probably a better runner. I think he's... Uh, If I was going to draw a comparison with another player, I would say... Actually, you know, because he doesn't kick. I was going to say Henry Slade. Except minus the kicking... Henry Slade because yeah. fullback, wing, centre, inside, outside, he, he, he cuts great lines. Intelligent but, but, but player, bigger, but stronger than Henry Slade. More better running direct than Henry Slade. I can't believe my eyeballs are so bad. I always think that I can like, really eyeball a player. And, you know, God, I'm, I'm underestimated by two by two stone and two inches. Well, he is stood. <laughs> he is stood next to Semi Randrandra's beard. Yeah, which is <laughs> huge and luscious. We've not yeah, actually they... spoke about Sammy Randrandra going round the fullback yet. We're just oh my... go- ghosting uh, the fullback. Um, Still think he's overrated, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely I mean, that... not overrated. That No one in Bath bothered for that try because they all knew well, there's no point in bothering because he's going to do this whether I like it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what what are my options? Tackle him and get bumped off. Okay, well that could cost me a week's worth of injury and may, maybe something serious, you know, more serious. Or do I just let him in? He's going to score either way. Oh, just... yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on, Tim, making a trade. No, no, no. I'm no, no. I'm not. I'm just looking at. Um, Is it I, Discord? Server? I just went to Piers. <laughs> I just went to Piers O'Connor's um, uh, Twitter account and the banner picture he has. I just looked at his his legs are massive. Oh, I really yeah. miss this guy. He's got a big trunk. Yeah, he does. Big, big wide base. I did, just just to compare him, JB, you compared him to Cameron Redpath, Piers O'Connor. I, to to me, Cameron Redpath is still a boy. 
Uh, but Kit Piers O'Connor is a man, and that's the difference in their in their strength of their running. Yeah, actually, I think Cameron Pass is very very strong, but they seem they strong. Man, you can, might even be bigger now. Actually, he might be six foot three, two or three. I don't know. Yeah, he's listed as six two and ninety five kg, oh, so a, a stone a stone lighter, but an inch taller. Oh, there you are. Well, that's who I'd who I'd compare it to. Um, any other games? There was one Leicester play. Oh, Sale played. Sale played and won. Yeah, good win for Sale. Very good win uh, for Sale off the mark in the Sanderson era. Yeah, and um, it happened two weeks ago. But officially, Dimes is no more. Dimes has been uh, terminated as a director of. Manchester Sale Rugby Club Limited. Oh, is that right? I have no idea. I'd love to know what the financial settlement was. I, I <laughs> substantial, I so substantial. We'll never find out about it. Yeah. Some some things are that expensive. I would imagine. Yes, I I suspect that is exactly right. That we'll never know the truth. Yeah, just grab an NDA, a quick NDA off the shelf. Off we go. Standard um, Steve, Steve Diamond NDA. <laughs> Where did Dimes keep the NDAs? I don't know. He had the file. <laughs> I, I, I literally do not know anything about that. There is a vault somewhere with lots of NDAs and other things <laughs> in them. Very valuable bits of evidence. Probably as, you just used as leverage. Mike Brewer's in there, apparently. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, Sale so, so one against Leicester Tigers, kind of. One and a half, second team, yeah, two A team, whatever you want to call good, it. Good, good, good win though. Some n- nice tries for sale. Yeah, yeah, great to see Beaumont back. Great to see uh, the horse back, uh, McGuigan. Um, I didn't score, but I think he's exactly what they've been missing. I, th- I, as much as I like Hammersley and I like Luke James, I think having both of them at wing and fullback in your back three is just not enough. It's just not enough threat there. You can have one or the other, but you can't have both. So Byron is a welcome addition back. Um, I do like the fact that they are constantly picking um, Doug Dale now. He's going to be very good. Ashman was in the team. He's He eventually will be ve- uh, a very good. And Bevan Rod. And I just hope that we see more guys coming through the academy because that academy is so well stocked uh, and has so, so much talent. So that's all really I've got to say about that game. The result was broadly in line with what I expected. And I made an appearance on BBC Radio Leicester as a neutral talking about sale this uh, this week. <laughs> Were you ban- badged as a neutral? I was badged as a neutral. Uh, JB from Eggchasers is on now. Um, he's a neutral, but is near sale. And, that, and that's how I was, how I was in, introduced. <laughs> Perfect. So thank you, BBC Radio Leicester. Mm. Do you want to do some predictions for next week? Yeah, uh, there's there's two other games we've not mentioned. Uh, go on, uh, what are they? Exeter beat Worcester oh. in a, a very very close game. Yeah, uh, Worcester, Worcester disappointed about not winning. Sort of says where they're at. Exeter needed the win, and <clears throat> yes. uh, and have chalked up the four points after a couple of defeats. Yeah, Exeter put a strong team out, and I was expecting this to be a bigger win to Exeter. So fair play, Worcester to keep it within, well, four points um, and Worcester to get a, a losing bonus point. The the other game oh, was yeah. one of my favourite games of yeah. the weekend. Agreed. Gloucester-Northampton. Yeah. Yeah, this was a tough one. I actually watched the whole thing. I can't believe I forgot it. Uh, and I did. And I think I forgot it because I was quite invested in Gloucester winning. I really wanted them to win. There are teams out there who are losing and they are losing in a despicable manner. 
see Bath for details. See um, Harlequins last week. Uh, you know the way that we spoke to, spoke about them throughout the season until this week when they won. Um, Gloucester, I don't see that. They tried so bloody hard, uh, and they're just one of those teams <clears> that are in a losing streak. And once it becomes a habit, it's a real hard habit to break. Uh, they went ahead, and they just they just folded. Compare and contrast, and I'm not saying it's not without merit, but just compare and contrast the way you're talking about Stuart Hooper, uh, Paul Gustard, and George Skivington. I've not heard George Skivington speak, so I don't know his answer. No, 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 I don't mean in terms of how they're speaking. I mean, Gloucester are bottom of the league. Yeah, but George Skivington is the line-out coach for the London Irish, right? Um, he's not the self... No, he's Forwards the, coach. Well, I thought he was, was line-out coach. He was forwards coach. Uh, okay. And, he, it, well, and he's, he's director of rugby at Gloucester now. Yeah, well, whichever way it was, um, he's come up and he's going to need a chance to prove himself. Gustard was one of the most expensive DORs in the Premiership who came with European... How do you know that? I know things. <laughs> and, and, and so, what, 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 it's outside the salary cap. What difference does it make? Well, what, well, it does make a difference. Do you not think it makes a difference if you if you pay a, a guy a lot of money? Um, I mean, you expect results, don't you? Well, it's irrelevant to the salary cap. It's it's you, I never said anything about but, the salary cap. But yeah, but it's it well, is relevant to performance yeah, in my mind. Yes, it is. And, and my thought is, Gustard. One of the reasons he went right. If he was cheap, he probably would have stayed. <laughs> you know, when you're paying a man that much money, you need to see see, see results. You know, you you basically make more pressure for yourself. Um, you know, he came with a great record. That is a different scenario. Gloucester have taken a bit of a risk with Skivington, and I think more clubs should do this. Look around, see who's doing well in the in in the forwards role or in the championship, and give and give these guys a go. So, I will be a lot less critical of a guy like Skivington. And also, the other thing I like about him is he's come from a different club. So he's earned that position to go elsewhere. Uh, whereas a lot of guys just go through, you know, ex-player, then becomes a coach, then becomes DOR. I'm not that keen on that. I'd first see Stuart Hooper cut his teeth but elsewhere. I, I'm, I don't disagree. And actually, I, I quite like the atmosphere at Gloucester when I was there and the clarity of George Skivington and Alex Brown, along with, the th- I can't remember the third person that's part of that little leadership group. Uh, or maybe it might be even the chief exact, whatever. I, I actually quite like it. How but, but, who is it? Alex King? No, but what, no. What, but whatever you just described is exactly what Quinns did with Paul Gustard. They looked around. They've got the for, England defence coach. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty prime wow. coach. Yeah, it's not like uh, all I'm pointing out is that you you sort of Sanderson from you completely change your narrative. No, ra- to All suit right. to suit your Who's, you, did, you change you change the narrative to suit your opinion rather. Did than, you did you ever see the Skivington signing on the cards? Uh, I I certainly didn't. Right, no. Yeah, everyone was clamouring. Gustard is going to have a DOR role at some point. They're very different propositions, I would say. But I, so I I agree they're different propositions. I I think Gloucester are in some trouble. I think they're going to be I, all right. I, oh, well, they are going to be all right because yeah, it's, going to, it's going to get ring ring fenced. But if this one, if ring fencing wasn't looming large, yes, I, th- I think they'd be in. I think they'd be in real trouble. Um, they they've got one option at ten, who got injured halfway through this game. Yeah, Billy Twelve Trees is their next ten off the rank. Um, they've got some incredible talent in certain positions where they've got huge depth in their back three but not huge depth in their second row. 
for, for reasons we've been over before, you have two two world-class second rows leave you, then you're going to struggle when Mostar and Grobler left. Um, but but the, but again, but, the coaching team decided not to replace those and to sign loads of wingers. Yes, so, or whoever's yeah, in charge of making the yeah, signings. That's, yeah, yeah. What one is a pro- one is a problem, uh, not of your making, but it's been compounded by decisions of their own making. Yeah, uh, uh, I think Alamano is going to be a, a good signing though. I think he's going to. He, he looks good. Yeah, he, he, he works hard. He hits hard. He carries well. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not. I don't think they're a million miles away. The problem with the Premiership is. A million miles away or you know, in a losing habit or whatnot, it can get you into a lot of trouble because everyone is so competitive. We're still only seven games in. Yeah, but have yeah. you won one game, Gloucester? Yeah. And there's a bunch yeah. of teams on two games. Yeah, some of which were COVID wins. Uh, were they? Which they may have won anyway, but Worcester had a COVID win and so did Bath, I think. Yeah. It's Bath, because uh, Bath have only got two wins as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Or was it Leicester that had the COVID win? I can't remember. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Northampton, or maybe it was not Northampton. Yeah, they did have one. Yeah, um, I, you know, Northampton uh, played the game that they wanted to play, which is great. They were able to keep the ball in the hand because you weren't a- able to kick it. They they looked good. They you know they slung it around a bit. I'd like Northampton a lot a lot as a club too. I, I remember I remember to... saying this when they when they beat Worcester just uh, on Boxing Day that they. They actually had a little bit of swagger and they played with a bit of attacking intent and it didn't always come off, but it happened. And exactly what you just said is right. They the wind meant they had to start playing, and that's when they yeah that's when they look good. But that's allied with the fact they had guys like Lewis Ludlam and Sean Aidendorf actually punching holes. He showed up. Sean Aidendorf showed up big time. Uh, yeah, he played well. Yeah, there is a really enjoyable game. <sighs> Gloucester. Gloucester, Gloucester, Gloucester. They should have done better. They really should have. At least a losing bonus point. This is at home to not, to a struggling Northampton Saints. Yeah. Who actually are... I mean, does that not show you the quality of the Premiership? Look at look at the team that Saints put out. Look how f- infrequently that they win. And you think, yeah, okay, they've got a world-class coach. They've got a very nice squad. And they're not really challenging. These are the teams that you have to beat. And they're very, very good. Which is why the Premiership is such a good league. Uh, and I, I think that Gloucester team is a reasonable distance off that Northampton team as well. As in, you look at the players, I think the Northampton team are man for man, except maybe one or two positions better. Uh, That's the problem that Gloucester have. Gloucester win hands down at 12. Do you know what? I really like Gloucester's 12-13 combo when Harris plays. I think they've got lovely balance there. Uh, And I like the back three. But then yeah, the back back three Gloucester's back three can compete with anyone yeah, in the well, league. To, any any one of Gloucester's back threes can, can compete <laughs> yeah. with any team in the league. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's the rest of it, isn't there? But, but you know, Ludlow, Lewis Ludlow, Lewis, Lewis, I can't say his name. Lewis Ludlow is very very good. Oh, yeah, look, they, they should have enough. I hope they've got enough. Well, they won't, they won't need enough, but I, th- I don't <laughs> I, I don't think they'll finish bottom. But um, I was just I was just trying to spread the uh, if, if we're going to talk about. DORs under pressure, then you think Skivington's under pressure? I just think you need to spread. I don't think he is. No, he should be. No, I'm just saying that, that if you're going to start, if, if we're going to, if you're going to throw shade at DORs for the performances of their teams, Gloucester are bottom of the table. So that's, I'm yeah, just pointing out facts. But do you think he deserves as much criticism as Hooper? Um, n- no, but it's only seven games into the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know. I I think when I look at the Gloucester performance, I see 
a not as talented team really working hard. And when I look at the Bath performance, I see a really, really talented team. Maybe one of the best squads, maybe the best squad in the Premiership. Well, you know, and they and they have the worst their worst ever defeat against Bristol. Yeah, I, I, and I would just um, again, I'm purely playing devil's advocate here. Uh, at Bath, you wonder how much influence the DOR has in the squad that's there. Yep. And two, um, the squad that this is George Skibbington's squad. He's is it George Skibbington's squad? How many players? Is he? I, I mean, I, this is a general question. I don't know how many well, players he, he signed. He, he well, he had money. He, he had players to sign, and well, I he's been there since. I don't know how long has he been there for. I mean, did Ackerman move? Came in. Oh, whatever. Over the, Doesn't over the summer, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say it's a Skivington squad. No, it's squad, not, a, yeah. not a Skivington squad. But, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. yeah. I, I, I do think he, I think he... Well, he's clearly performing poorly. Um, I don't... To your point earlier, Tim, I don't think he should be under pressure because I think no. he should be given time. There, there was reasons why they appointed him. He should be given a significant period of time to... Agreed. ...to, to do everything he needs to. But... It is also right to point out that they are bottom. This was a poor performance overall. They had some good moments, but they got handily beaten by uh, a struggling Northampton Saints side. Yeah, and to be clear, I, as I say, when I went to Gloucester, I was there for the Ulster game, and I really, really like what the, the, the freshness in the atmosphere and what George Skivington is saying and the team and how they're all aligned mm. and the processes are going through. I think they're going to have good times ahead. Would you say it's a dynamic environment? Which certainly very dynamic. Yeah, it's important that. Right, games next week. Okay. Oh, do, one other thing, JB. Did you watch your beloved Benetton to bring your um, Premier Sports bill down? <laughs> I did not. Damn it! This week's cost <laughs> me more money. Um, uh, I spent I, my Premier uh, Premier Sports um, uh, subscription on crypto. Oh, did you? <laughs> Wise. <laughs> well, it, it's worth noting because. Um, JJ Hanrahan got some stick last week. Oh, for... yes, he scored a drop goal. Yes, he got stick last week for missing, um, well, one hard kick and one easy kick. He slotted, uh, whatever it was, 83rd minute drop goal to win. So Munster beat, Munster, a depleted Munster beat, um, also a depleted Benetton by two points thanks to that drop goal after the Hooter had gone. So I did consider watching some Pro 14 because I really enjoyed it in the weeks that there was no premiership. And I thought, do you know what? I've been too harsh here. And then I logged on to my rugby app. I don't know what it's called, but the app which I get all my information from. And I looked at the squads which they were putting out, Scarlets versus Leinster. And then I immediately logged back out and thought, I'm not watching that. Forget it. Yeah. Not doing it. So I didn't see any of it. I know that the younger and possibly better Byrne brother was playing 10 for Leinster. Yeah. Um, and, And the younger but not better Carney brother, Dave Carney, was also playing for Leinster. I, um, well, the thing which intrigued me is the young second row they've got there is Bird, I think. Bird. 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 I like yeah. him. And I nearly watched it just to watch him. I thought, no, what am I doing? He he is good. I mean, they still had some, some classes. So Ty Furlong, who's been out for a long time, came and played 40-odd minutes. Uh, and Dan Levy, obviously, has also been out for a long time. And Jack Conan were both playing. So they're... Yeah. There is some still some quality there, and this was a very handy win for Leinster. Yeah, they pumped yeah. him. Premier Rugby, uh, you know, hear me now. Uh, hear me now. Believe me later. Um, I'm not cruel about the Pro 12 because I hate the people involved, or because 
you know, they've not got any good players. I hate it because there were hardly any players playing because they know that there is no risk of them getting relegated and there are no consequences. If this is the road that Premier Rugby want to go go, go down, they're going to get exactly the same reaction that we give to the Pro 14 every week when we see these depleted teams. It, I don't know what they are thinking. Well, mm. on to what will be a very keenly contested game on Friday night at Ashton Gate, Bristol versus Sale Sharks. Tasty game. How do you see this one panning out? No idea. So, Bristol at home? Yep. Yep. I, I'm going to I'm going to pick Bristol. I'm going to pick Bristol because things take time and moving from I mean, Samson's had 3 weeks now. It'll be 4 weeks yep. by the time they see him. Still going to take that. still going to take take time. I think a settled Steve Diamond team would have been very competitive. And I don't know. I don't think... Well, Bristol beat Sale last time they were at the... Uh, last time that they were at Ashton Gates. And it's actually quite a comprehensive win, from what I remember. And Bristol have, got, Bristol have gone up a gear. So Bristol by 10 points. It is, it is interesting that on both uh, you discussing... Bristol's performance this week and Bristol's performance next week, you have, in both instances, focused on the negatives from the other team rather than the positives from Bristol. Uh, have I? Something's interesting, <laughs> something interesting going on. Is this because Bristol got into yeah. the playoffs and Sale didn't? Still bitterness yeah. there. No, not, not at all. Uh, I just like to weigh up the pros and cons of both. No, I don't think... Well, you've, you've only you like to weigh up the cons, cons and cons of cons. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did say Bristol got up a gear, to be fair. And, and they have. <laughs> Look, I'm not... I just... There's something, there's something nagging to me about Bristol. I think it's based on what based on what it is you dislike about... Um, Things are friend uh, of the pod who keeps uh, on texting uh, about uh, I want to see him play. <laughs> no, <laughs> based, on, based on how you talk about uh, Gustav and Hooper, I think it might be that Pat Lamb, whilst he does it in a much more enigmatic and uh, engaging way, he does also speak in cliches quite a lot. I reckon it might be that. Yeah, yeah, he does. But could you ever imagine Gustard or Hooper giving their worthless speech or whipping out his laptop and saying, this is wrong, look at this corrupt referee. Or, you know, he speaks in cliches, but he is... I don't know. He's genuinely. He's oh yeah, sincerely cliched. Not like yeah, he's no, no. authentic. Yeah, it's almost like he's written the management uh, training book. Yes, rather exactly. than he's ri- rather than he's reading quotes from it. Yeah, yeah. He's not like the substitute teacher like the other two are. Yeah. Um. He's the actual teacher. Yeah. Um. What? Here's what. Nig- what n- nags me about Bristol is I think that they have an underbelly and they can be can be exposed. So when they score a, a million odd points, I think yeah, okay, you've scored a million odd points, and Semi's run, uh, run around a bad team that don't really care. But what happens when it really gets tough? And that's and that's a thing. So yeah, they've got so much firepower that they can afford to do that. But I still think there's something there which is not solidified yet. Well, it's getting there though. They won that game against Toulon in the Challenge Cup final. They beat Exeter at Sandy Park since. They did. They did. Both those things happened. Yeah. But then look what happened to them against Wasps. In you know playoff rugby, yeah, and they got mm. absolutely battered. Mm. So there is just a little nagging doubt about them. Well, so I'm going to predict a Bristol win, albeit I don't think it will be that straightforward because I, I expect Sale to be um, pretty combative, pretty physical, um, and so give me Bristol by 
six points. I I agree with that. Bristol clean sweep on this one. Uh, to Saturday, and there's a kickoff, an early kickoff. You, you, the rugby doesn't start at two fifteen for Italy France. It begins at one pm for Wasps v Northampton. Yes, mm. uh, I I no longer know anything about rugby. I have no <laughs> idea how this is going to pan out. Wasps, do they bounce back? Do we uh, do, do, ha, have Harlequins inadvertently showed us the blueprint to beat Wasps? I, uh, Harlequins. There was a lot of emotion came out in that game. And you heard Marcus Smith talking after the game um, about the leadership shown by some of the senior players who stepped up and brought everyone together. And and there's obviously um, an outpouring of emotion after Gustard left. So I'm not sure how much of that is strategy and how much it is just purely being fired up and being that extra 10% more fired up. And so hitting the rooks harder, competing harder at the breakdown, getting the the um, defensive line more accurate. Um, I'm not sure there's, I'm not sure there's the blueprint there other than the emotion. Um, that said, I'm not sure how easily wasps correct some of their mistakes. Um, I think this will be a good game. I think it'd be an open game. I th- this is the kind of game that could be a uh, Wasps 38, Saints 35 type yeah. fixture. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going for a Wasps narrow. Uh, Wasps win by six, uh, eight points. But but high scoring. Wasps win by, yeah, Wasps win by a score, um, but it's going to be a 60-plus uh, point game. Yeah, something like that. Wasps to win, something uh, like that. Bath Quins, we've already said it. Quins are going to win by a hundred because Quins panned Wasps <laughs> and Wasps panned Bath. Yeah, minimum one hundred points to Harlequins. Yeah. minimum. But if there was ever a Quinsy thing to do, it would be to follow up uh, a very good performance against a good team by a terrible performance against a bad team. So this could go either way. I'm going to go Bath win at home narrowly. I th- I think. I think Quinns will narrowly win. I think there is some fun, there is something fundamentally wrong at Bath that's not going to be fixed in the week unless Hoops steps down or steps aside or steps up or wherever he's going. Mm. What is going on there? Yeah. Jay, Bath, Quinns, what do you think? 100 points to Quinns. Okay, cool. <laughs> put, put that on the board. Leicester v Worcester. Give me Worcester. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. At where? At Welford Road. I do think Leicester. I think Leicester narrow. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Worcester win. Do you know, their best signing, and probably their best signing for a couple of years now, is Richard Wigglesworth. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about having a really, really... By the way, Richard Wiggle. everyone's talking about Tom Brady, because he's going for, ooh, watch out, a sixth ring. Big deal. Uh, Wigglesworth has got five titles and it's 36. And three European titles. Yeah, but... Uh, Br- two European titles. Yeah, no, but Brady, Brady can only win one thing a year, you see, so I don't count. Any. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's You see point. what I mean? Like, Brady's not got any uh, European titles to his name. Um, yeah, so maybe we should start treating Richard Wigglesworth with the respect and the pay packet that we treat uh, Tom, Tom Brady <laughs> with. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots to be said for a big back row and uh, Richard Wigglesworth. That's why I think they'll have the edge. Irish v Gloucester is interesting. And I, I'm i going to go for Gloucester, uh, sorry, for Irish, because 
is this the first? This is the first time Irish have played Gloucester since Skivington Ooh, left them. Beef. Ooh, Sk- yeah. But you know, does Skiv know all the calls and whatnot? And like, who's no, good they, and who's not? They're using the Australia 2014 lineup <laughs> callbook. <Yeah. laughs> that is true. That was part of the contractual agreement for Rob Simmons, Adam Coleman uh, moving over, and Sakopi Kepu. Yeah. yeah, there there is probably sort of some warring factions there. Obviously, Sean oh, Brown there was... will be, there will be. So you talk about emotion. There will be some emotion from the Irish players there. They will have felt mm. slighted. Will they? Because I mean, they're all mercenaries. I mean, do they, do they care? <laughs> well, no. Don't you remember? There was. I don't know what whether that ever went anywhere. Actually, but do you think it even... London Irish said it was predatory oh, yeah. on Gloucester and they were they were going to threaten to take yeah. them to court? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But the CEO's not playing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all those lads have got the London Irish WhatsApp group on mute. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I let's let's do our thing. Let's be cheerleaders for the for the premise. So yeah, it's going to be spicy because of this uh, because of the backlash. I'm not sure it will be. I hope I hope Gloucester win. But actually, I think Irish will win. Yeah, give me Irish. Irish by five points. There we go. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into the Six Nations. Oh, this has been an Ooh, ep- one, um, one more game. Pod. What? Oh yeah, Sunday, of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, before the Wales Island game, you can watch Newcastle Falcons entertain the champions Exeter Chiefs. Uh, always on TV, Tim. Uh, yeah. Is that any in particular that fans of other chasers should watch? No, no, yeah, right, no. This this Six Nations period is a very chilled out uh, time of year for me. Ridiculous. Because there's le- there's less games, there's why less televised ta- games. So why why don't they take it? Why don't they take take it serious and, and send their real talent out? Too? Well, it's it's because there's so many eyeballs on the Six Nations. They recognise they just need to keep the keep the real talent, you know, fresh. Uh, keep <laughs> the powder bo- bo- right for Europe. Box fresh for yeah. for the times when more people are watching. Exactly right. Uh, what's the last one? Newcastle Falcons against Chiefs. 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 Uh, yeah, Newcastle. You've done really well so far. Yeah, not beating Chiefs. Not in a million years. Mm. I'll go Chiefs. Chiefs. But I, I think this will be close. I think Newcastle to get a losing bonus point, but no try bonus point. So it's something like Falcons uh, eighteen, Chiefs twenty three. There we go. Right, we got. Uh, this has been an absolute bloody marathon podcast. I can't not believe too, how long it's been. Not too bad. Not too bad. But, but average. But average for us. Well, that, that's fine though. Nothing wrong with that. But we've got another. We've got another shorter Six Nations podcast, which will. Uh, do you know what? Well, let's do that tomorrow, boys. We'll, we'll we'll release that in the feed tomorrow. Uh, so you get subscribed. We'll have our Six Nations preview pod coming your way very soon. Thank you very much to everyone. Um, humbled by the response of people supporting the podcast on Patreon, uh, and we will be drawing that as we get into February. We'll be doing our shirt giveaway. So um, next week, is it not? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Thank you very much for that. He's at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. We're at Rugby Podcast. Phil's lurking in your DMs. Let the boys play. Let the boys play.